in two days, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming March 14th, only on Disney+. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, it is Monday at 535. If you know anything about this podcast, you know I'm recording it way in advance. I usually wait until the day of so I can be as current and up to date as possible with whatever I'm speaking about. But we don't have that luxury today. Tonight is my last night in East America. I leave tomorrow for a long journey back to Africa, this time to South Africa. It's very, very far. I've got an eight-hour flight to Europe and then a long layover and then another, is it 11 hours? I think to Johannesburg. I leave tomorrow evening, which is Tuesday, and I don't get to Johannesburg until Thursday morning. So it's a bop. So I'm recording the podcast today. I have a few last minute errands that I need to take care of tomorrow. So I wanted to make sure I got the podcast in before I left. Because if I didn't make tomorrow's deadline, you wouldn't get it until sometime on Thursdays. I spent the entire weekend packing. I actually had thought about going up to New York because, you know, it's one of my favorite cities on earth. Um, But it was freezing. I checked the weather and like the low was seven degrees. I want to say the high was like 20 something. And I was like, absolutely not. That will never happen. But for the best, I spent the whole weekend packing and I'm still not packed, which sounds crazy because, you know, I should be used to living out of suitcases. It's not actually the living out of suitcases that's so hard. It's trying to figure out, anticipate what I'm going to want or need over the next few months based on how I feel today. It would more than likely be five months, maybe a year before I'm back again. It just all depends on really what I decide to do. I've got my life planned out until May 8th. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. I can stay in South Africa for 90 days without an additional visa. But I actually may apply for an additional one so I can stay for a full six months. We'll see. We'll see how I feel about Johannesburg or South Africa in general. I may not want to stay in Johannesburg. I may want to stay in Durban or Cape Town or somewhere else. I don't know. I'm kind of anxious is not the word. Nervous is not the word. Just I don't know ready for what's next, but then also like unsure about what's next and hoping for the best for what's next. 
When I moved to Ghana, I had been there at least once a year for the previous three years. I knew exactly what I was walking into. I haven't been to South Africa in 10 years. And I remember loving it. Like I thought it was super dope. And, it, and the first time I went there, I wanted to move there. I wanted to buy a place there. At one point, I talked about getting married there. Like, I really do love South Africa. I just haven't been there in a while. So I'm just really, I don't know, antsy? I think that's in the realm of anxious, but like less than anxiety. I'm just ready for the next adventure. Um, although I hate the first day that I land anywhere. I get to South Africa in the morning, thankfully, but it's just a day of putting my life together, running to the grocery store, running to whatever South Africa's version of Target is to get hangers and linens and whatever else I need to turn my house into a home, even though it's only for three months. Like I like to feel like the space that I'm in is my space. The first day in a new country that I'm, you know, quote unquote, moving to or doing a long stay in is probably better. Is always the worst. It just requires a lot to like get set up and feel like home. I'm looking forward to just getting there and getting that first day out of the way. And then, you know, on to whatever's next. I've started planning out my adventures. There's a bunch of countries that I want to see. I want to run all over South Africa, but there's other places that I want to see. So I finally put together an itinerary. One of the mistakes that I made when I got to Ghana is I got there and then I planned to go to all these other places. And then some places took you know longer to get um, visas or you know it's rainy season or the best time to go is a particular time that may have passed or was coming up. I just didn't plot it out the right way because there was other places that would I, I would have liked to see while I was visiting. Ghana and I just didn't, you know, pace it out right. I'm trying to learn from some of the missteps that I had in Ghana and make smarter decisions this time, especially since my time in South Africa may be more limited. My extended visa is not guaranteed. We'll see. I have a backup plan. If I can't get an extended visa in South Africa, then I'll I'll probably go to Nairobi and stay for a while before I go back to Ghana. So we'll see. Nothing's set in stone, which sounds crazy to me because I used to love things that were set in stone. And now I'm just like, people be like, oh, what is your like, what is your, what are your goals? What are your like five year plan? I'm like, I know until May. And after that, it's all up in the air. Just God's plan. God's plan. While I was packing that never ending process, I feel like I've been packing for the last two and a half weeks, like trying to figure out what to take. But I was watching some show and it went off. And then this commercial ran for this other show. And I heard Clay Davis's from The Wire, the guy who said, she, him. I heard his voice. And so I looked up and I was watching a little bit of the show. And it was like a behind the scenes with the actors talking about season two of this show with Clay Davis. And I was like, what is this show? Why have I never heard of it? And then there was like a mob boss and there was a judge. And I was like, what is this show? This looks fascinating. The funny thing was, I said the judge, he reminds me of like Walter White from Breaking Bad. He's giving big Walter energy. And I was like, well, let me, let me, you know, check it out and see what it is. Turns out the judge actually is Walt. And I was like, are you kidding me? He has hair. I totally didn't recognize the guy from Breaking Bad when he had hair. And I was like, holy shit. But I was like, well, let me watch the first episode and see how it goes. Because in writing school, the difference between every show that's on the air and your show is that their show got picked up. So whatever it is, like you could think the show is trash, but someone thought something good about the show to put it on the air and run it for a season. And that hasn't happened to you yet. So literally anything that's on TV, 
if you feel so inclined, you should watch the first pilot episode and see how the show got sold. What elements exist on that show that could be incorporated into yours? Is it a pacing? Is it a dialogue? Is it a type of character? Anything that could get your show sold, because that's always the goal. I watched the show. I'm hooked. I'm hooked from episode one. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing TV. How come nobody told me about this? But I'm like, I've heard no one say anything about this show. I'm going to tell the people something. So I get on Instagram and I'm just like, oh my God, this show that I found that it's so good. I'm mad at all the people who never told me about this show. Because I figured like it got a season two. Like someone was watching it, but it wasn't like a, you know, phenomenon show. And people were like, oh yeah, like that, that came out like a while ago. Like that's really good. Like you late. Like, you're usually on it, but you late right now. And I was like, how did I miss this? Is this because I was in Ghana? And they were like, no, it came out during the pandemic. Like, when everyone was watching really great TV, you just missed it. I was like, oh, amazing TV. Wait, did I say the name of the show? Your Honor on Showtime. My bad. I watched, it's 10 episodes. Each episode is like a good solid hour, like 53 minutes, right? I watched the entire season in less than 24 hours better and better and better each episode like it is amazing television it's not just good it's amazing television and in the final episode and I'm not telling you anything about the show other than there's a judge there's a mobster there's Clay Davis a politician and there's a gang leader named Big Mo that's all you need to know the way they tie all this together is insane it's like wire level writing and you know i take the wire very seriously i think it's the best television show ever made it's up there with the wire in terms of the way they weave a story together that's not the point the point is the final episode the last two minutes 90 seconds my mouth dropped and hung open and the credits rolled and i was still staring at the screen i was stuck and could not move i was like i cannot believe what i just saw Amazing story. Horrific story. Amazing story. Well told. And the way it plays on, especially as like a black person, the way it plays on race and class and who you root for and who you root against and why. Morality too. Because the crazy thing is I was rooting for the mob boss, but also rooting for the judge, but also rooting for the gang leader. And also the politician. I was rooting for everyone, but understanding that no one could actually win. Like the person I was rooting for in episode one, I was rooting not against, but I was like, he has to go down. Like he has to. He has to. He's caused too much chaos. Like he can't just get away with this because of all these other people that have sacrificed for you. You can't, you can't just get away with this scot-free. Ah, I want to tell you about it. Just watch the show. It's an amazing, supposed to be a limited series. But then they came back with a season two because apparently everyone and their mother, except me and my mother, were watching the show. Here's the crazy thing. I was watching episode one. I turned it on when I was in the kitchen. My mom came into the kitchen. She saw a little bit of the show. And she was like, oh, no, I can't watch this. Oh, no, this is too much. Oh, no. Like, she can't see anything. Like, no blood, no shooting, anybody getting punched, no violence, nothing. She she can't. But then she kept asking me because she knew I was still watching. And she was like, well, tell me what happened. So, like, every few episodes or so, like, I'd wander into the kitchen for something or another, and she'd be like, okay, what's going on on our show? Really? You don't want to watch the show, but you want to know everything about the show. And I was like, I don't want to tell you, because you need to go watch the show for yourself. And she was like, I'm never going to watch it. I just want you to tell me what happens, because, like, I'm invested. And this is all based on 20 minutes that she watched, the last part of the episode one. And she had to know what would happen. She had to know what was going to happen. Couldn't watch it, but had to know what was going to happen. And then I told her to end, and she, like, her mouth hung open, just me telling her what it was. Amazing storytelling. 
One of my friends hit me up to check on me. He's like, you've been quiet on social for a while. Like, how you doing? Like, is your anxiety through the roof? Like, are you all right? And I was like, bruh, you know I'm not all right. And I listed five things in the show. Like, every single character was in complete chaos and conflict. And I was like, you asking me if I'm all right when the judge is doing this, the mobster is doing this, the gang leader is doing this, and the politician is doing this, and then the girlfriend is this, and then we just found this out about the wife. Like, you asking me if I'm all right? No, I'm not all right. And he was like, yeah, that's how I felt when I watched it. Keep going. It gets worse. What? It's crazy. I loved it. It's crazy. I aspire to write like this. I want people to watch shit that I write and be like, what? What? That's my goal as a writer. Amazing television. I tried to watch the beginning of season two, but I just couldn't get into it. I think maybe I just watched too much television. Just after what I watched and my mouth hanging open and too much shock, I tried to give it like 30 minutes and then dive into season two. And I was like, no, I need a break. So I'm going to try to watch. I don't know when I'm going to find time for this. Maybe tonight. If I finish editing this at a decent hour, I'll try to watch like the remaining four episodes. I never tried to get Showtime when I was overseas, but I do have an ExpressVPN. So it should be fine. I hope. I think. We'll see. 48 hours. What works and what doesn't. I don't want to risk it. I actually want to know what's happening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What else is going on? We're going to talk about the Grammys. I had severe FOMO of the Grammys because like the last, I don't know, three years or so that the Grammys have gone on. I've been in L.A. so I can go to Grammy events or if not official events, it's like parties. All my friends are in town. Like it's like good times. I was watching everybody post from like the Grammy events and I was like, why am I not in L.A.? It's not cold in L.A. I could have gone to L.A. But then I was like, oh, yeah, because I don't want to get on a plane right now. and then Or come back from the Grammys on a Monday and then fly out on Tuesday. That's not a good idea. Hence why I wasn't there. But I had serious FOMO. I don't really miss most things going on in the States. But every once in a while, there's a thing. But the Grammys. The Grammys were... The Grammy parties looked really cute. The Grammys... The audience was dry. It was just okay. I didn't love it, to be quite honest. Like, we're being 100%. And also, I didn't turn in until, I don't know, it was at least 8.15. Because I thought the Grammy started at 8. And then even then, I was 15 minutes late because I was watching Your Honor. You know, I had to freak out about it. And then I had to go tell my mom about it. And then I had to text people about it. And then I was like, well, let me start on season two. It wasn't really doing it for me. And I was like, okay, like, oh, let me turn to the Grammys. When I tuned in, Beyonce was getting her first award of the night and wasn't there. And I was like, girl, the Grammy started like a good hour and change ago. Where you been? And they were like, oh, Beyonce's in traffic. And I was like, is she? I don't know. That seems weird to me. Like, I mean, L.A. does have bad traffic, but everybody in L.A., because she lives out there, knows that the traffic is bad. I'm like, did you have a wardrobe malfunction? Was there a hair issue? But like, oh, she's stuck in traffic. And that's why she missed the announcement of her first Grammy. And this was a big Grammys for her. This was the one where, and it did happen, depending on the number of awards she got, she would be the most, for lack of a better word, winningest person in Grammy history. That first win for Cuff It 
tied her with somebody else is having the most Grammys ever. And then she won some more awards. And so clearly, like, she exceeded that. When she won the award, she got on stage. And she's not very... Speaking publicly is not her strong suit. She said as much. She doesn't really do a lot of interviews or speak publicly a lot for, you know, her own reasons. But she was just like, I'm overwhelmed and just thankful and I want to be in this moment. It was it was a great moment of humility, which I saw people criticize. And they were like, oh, her fake humility, like she always is acting like she's just so thankful and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, is that a bad thing to be humble? I don't think so, but okay. I thought it was really sweet. And I got a little choked up for her. To be like the most winningest person in, in Grammy history, that means you have more Grammys than all of your icons. Clearly, Beyonce grew up like praising like a Tina Turner or Diana Ross or Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston. You got more Grammys than all of them. That's a lot of damn Grammys. Like you have more Grammys than anyone else ever. Mariah Carey. You have more Grammys than every icon that you grew up. Prince admiring, adoring, that you've based your career off of, who inspires you to dance, inspires you to sing. You got more Grammys than all those people. That's a lot. I got a little, like, warm in the chest for her. Like, I choked up. I mean, I cried about everything. Like, I really, like, felt the tears. That's big, babe. As with anything Beyonce, there's always a bit of controversy. She won either three or four Grammys last night. And I, the reason I can't commit the number to memory, because I did look it up, but I forgot to write it down. She didn't win album of the year for renaissance now y'all know i haven't listened to renaissance i don't have a dog in the fight of renaissance my album of the year to be 110 percent was adele i love me some adele and i wore that album out but i do just find it as many people have pointed out this isn't like an original thought but many people pointed out how are you the most winningest person in grammy history you got more grammys than everybody every literally everybody else and you've never had album of the year. And it's not because you haven't put up the work. Not even for Lemonade, which I still think is her best work. I mean, it could, and again, I haven't listened to Renaissance. So Renaissance could be better. It could be. I might like it more. We'll find out sometime in May after I go to the concert. Even still, like it's just something about the math ain't mathing. More Grammys than anybody else ever. And never once album of the year. I was reading something the other day. Like Taylor Swift has like three albums of the year. And I was like, Taylor Swift? I know she's popular. I can't name you like one Taylor Swift song, not a one, not a lyric, not a song title, like not nothing. I can identify her in a lineup. I know what she looks like. A Taylor Swift song? No. And then she lost to Harry Styles. I was like, I also can't name you one Harry Styles song. Like if Adele had won, I'd be like, well, okay, like I see where we're going here. And even the year like Adele won, there was an album. It was Lemonade. When Lemonade was up for album of the year, Adele won, got on stage and was like, yeah, this really should be yours because Lemonade inspired me and moved me. And just, you know, artist to artist, this really should be yours, FYI. Just call a spade a spade. That's weird. I don't know if weird is like the right word. I'm like, it's racist? Because that's really the only thing that I can think of. It doesn't make sense otherwise. The most winningest person ever in Grammy history, ever. More than Prince and Michael Jackson. And you couldn't get album of the year? That's not weird. That doesn't sound racist. I saw folks earlier today, they were like, you know what? She should never, ever, ever again perform at the Grammys or attend the Grammys. Don't get your fucking ratings up off me and you can't even give me album of the year. I can perform. I can shake my ass and my hips. I can pop it and lock it and drop it. But I can't get album of the year. But I bring in all your ratings. But I can't get album of the year. They were like, she should never show up again. And they were like, poor tortured Jay-Z. 
Beyonce lost to Harry Styles for album of the year. He seemed shocked. He literally seemed shocked. Like, I won this shit? Really? In this category? Up against these people? He was humble about it, but he, he seemed very, like, genuinely like, holy shit, how I pull this off? And then it went to Khaled doing, um, what's the song? God did. Rick Ross has a verse, Wayne has a verse, and then Jay-Z has, like, the longest verse ever in life. I think on an album, it worked. I mean, obviously, I've heard it before. But just sitting at home, watching him sitting at a table, everybody else was up and tried to give you some razzle-dazzle, like some presentation. Jay just literally sat at a table and rhymed for four minutes straight with no chorus. I get it. He's Jay-Z. He's like, you know, he's a living legend. He's an icon. But I was like, this is not really entertaining. It's not. The table spread was beautiful. I was like, if that's real food, I hope they, you know, packaged it up and handed it out to the people in need of LA. Because they were at like the, what's like Crypto.com Arena? Is that what they keep calling it? The Staples Center? Isn't that what it is? I was like, they were in downtown LA. Skid Row is right there. I hope they packed it up well and gave it to people in need. I hope they ain't trash all that food. It'd be so wasteful. It was a beautiful spread though. Lizzo won Song of the Year. Was it Song of the Year? Yes. She performed. She sounded good. She looked good. She's always so happy. Which is not a criticism. This is an observation. She's always so happy. She said last night when she won her award, she was like, I just wanted to make feel-good music. Like, you know, that's it. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I kind of figured that out. Mary J. Blige performed. Are we being honest? I like Good Morning Gorgeous. I think it's a nice song. I didn't realize, I guess, that it was such a big song that it would be performed at the Grammys. Like, it's okay. It's a very, like, you know, paint-by-numbers Mary J. Blige song. It's essentially another version of No More Drama. But I get it. Like, a song about self-love, and I'd rather her sing about that than, you know, her really super sad songs. Like, I don't want Mary to be sad. She used to talk about that a lot when she started making happy songs. And she's like, people were like, oh, Mary needs to go through something so Mary can be sad again because Mary sings better when she's sad. And she was like, why would you wish that on my life? Mary J. Blige needs a boot line. People have said this for years. And then last night she had on these over-the-knee black, thigh-high, actually, boots that had gigantic rhinestones on them. Why has she never put out a boot line? Rihanna has millions, billions, a billion at least, on her way to two off of lingerie and makeup. I was like, Mary could rack up like a good 500 mil easy. Easy off a boot line. Easy. She could make the same boot in thigh high, knee high, flat, and a sandal. People would buy that shit. I don't understand why she doesn't do it. Same reason I don't understand why Ashanti doesn't do a workout video. I was like, ma'am, if you don't get your Billy Blanks on and collect your checks. I mean, not that she's hurting for money, but I'm just saying, like, do you not want an easy 10 million? I was like, girl, if you don't go shoot a workout video real quick. And a bikini line. Those two. That's at least a quick 20, 30 mil for her. Easy. You don't want the money? I don't get it. In my downtime, I really do sit around and think about, like, ways for people to make money. Like, easy stuff. The obvious stuff. Like, has this not occurred to you? Do you just not want to do it? Maybe you just don't want to do it. Because there's tons of things. People be like, Demetria, you should do like a travel show. Like, I have really valid reasons for not wanting to do one. Traveling all the time, like for a living and being like on a travel schedule is, is not fun. Producing TV takes a lot. Like, it takes a lot of fun out of it. I genuinely enjoy my life. I don't wouldn't enjoy it as much if somebody's following me around with cameras and like producing 
what I'm doing. Like the joy of it is just living it and talk about it, write about it at some point. But no, that's not the point. The point is Mary J. Blige is leaving money on the table. Oh, Viola. We didn't talk about Viola. Viola Davis got a Grammy for her, the audio version of her book, of her autobiography. Like I read it when it came out. I didn't love it. And some people got mad at me for saying that I didn't love it. I was like, it reads like trauma porn. Like the first 100 pages were just, we were poor and my father beat my mom and we were poor and my father beat my mom and we were poor and I peed on myself and my father beat my mom. And I was just like, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot. After she went to college, it got a lot more interesting. But she won a Grammy for it last night. And so now she officially has like an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So congratulations to Viola Davis. I want her to have all good things. I want her to win and prosper in this thing called life. I also wanted her to get nominated for an Oscar for the Woman King. But the Academy didn't agree with me on that. What else happened at the Grammys? There was a lot. The hip-hop segment which I loved, like everybody and their mother kind of performed. It's the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And they brought out a ton of rappers to acknowledge and represent the 50 years of hip hop. So they did like a really great, I think, representation of the early years. But they got to like the early 90s and then just like skipped ahead. 80s you got like run dmc and you got rakim and then you got salt and pepper you got big boy stands andre people were like where's andre like how you gonna send big boy out by himself y'all know andre don't come out like that stop it you know how he is he's sensitive he likes to be in the house he's publicly spoken about his anxiety some of his depression he just likes to be in the house or go out on the street corner and like play the flute andre will show up when andre's ready to show up if andre ever shows up again we don't know he drops a hot verse like every three years and then is, is not seen again for another three years. Y'all know how Andre is. LL Cool J performed. It was a good chunk of people. But notably, like, you know, Diddy wasn't there. Scarface was there. So representation of like, you know, the South with Outkast and then also Texas. But there was no Diddy. There was no Snoop. There was no Kim. There was Queen Latifah. But I'm like, you can't really bring out everybody. Like, the show would go on forever, which, fair. I read this morning on the YBF that Will Smith was actually supposed to perform, which I was like, really? I mean, the Grammys are not the Oscars. I'm sure they were like, if you slap somebody, we will press charges. Like, don't do no dumb shit, Will. But Will Smith was supposed to perform. He pulled out at the last minute because... I don't know if we talked about this in a previous episode. He just recently announced that Bad Boys 4 is coming out. But apparently it started shooting already. And I was like, really? That fast? I told y'all once Chris Rock made that joke about Nicole Brown Simpson and then everybody got mad at Chris Rock and was like, that's why Will Smith slapped you. You deserve to be slapped. That was the green light everybody needs to be like, okay, Will's redeemed. Let's get the project going. Three weeks after that, they gave a date for emancipation. And then now Bad Boys 4 is back in works. And Will Smith was supposed to perform at the Grammys. Has it been a year since the slap? No, because the Oscars haven't come back on yet. No. Can't go to the Oscars for 10 years, but can't go to the Grammys. <laughs> that tickles me. Last but not least, the last thing I'm going to talk about with the Grammys, I think, this Dr. Dre Award, I was going to hold my tongue on it. I can't remember who the announcer of it was, but it was like, you know, hip-hop turns 50, 
they decided to do this special new award to acknowledge people who have made a huge impact on on hip hop, which I think is a great idea. I think the award is definitely overdue. But they decided to name this award after Dr. Dre. And I was like, really? Really? I held my tongue for a minute because I was like, you know what? Like, everyone is not defined by the worst thing that they do. And I haven't said this in a while, but, you know, it's it's one of my mantras on here that uh, there is grace for those that seek it. And I genuinely believe that. And still in the same breath, I'm just like, Dr. Dre Global Impact Award. I had to pull it up on a YBF. That's what it's called. But I'm like, you named this award after a guy who, yes, he's he's much known for, you know, his beats and rappers and, you know, orchestrating other people's careers. Like, he is he's an absolutely wonderful musician. He also beats the fuck out of women on multiple occasions. It's not like, you know, the thing happened with D. Barnes when everybody was in their 20s and we've all just moved on from it. It was D. Barnes. It was Michelle A. It was, I think, his ex-wife, too. I think I would have tolerated him getting an award But to name the award after him so that going forth, everyone who receives this award, man or woman, they're receiving this Dr. Dre Global Impact Award from this guy who is like a known woman beater. This conversation earlier today with my friend, we went to lunch, went to Milk and Honey, some good ass food. Lord, that's some good ass food. When I was talking to my friend, I was upset about the the Dr. Dre thing. And she was like, yeah, like I heard about it. And she was like, yeah, like known wife beater. Like she said it even before I said it. And she was like, but really like, okay, so you don't name the award after Dr. Dre. And she said, well, who do you name it after? This not fucked up. Is it the Snoop Award? He can't string two sentences together without calling a woman a bitch. The Jay-Z Award? There's always these questions about how old Beyonce was when he started dating her. Who who amongst us? Diddy? Diddy got his own grumblings with, uh, you know, violence. Allegedly. Had a bunch of friends that used to work for Diddy companies. Stories abound. Well, if not Dr. Dre, then who? What man can you name an award after that doesn't have, like, some serious fucked up history, especially with women? I was like, Andre 3000? And she was like, he don't leave the house. Damn. But literally, who? We really sat there and ran through a bunch of names. People who would be deserving of of an award titled after them, a global impact award titled after them. And we really just like couldn't come up with any names. What accomplished man in his 50s in the public eye in music doesn't have some history, some public history at that, of being either misogynist, sketchy with consent, or an outright abuser? like shit common he might be for the streets but to my knowledge there's nothing he's a criminal and i don't think he's a misogynist saying a man is not misogynist is like saying a white person isn't racist like it's almost impossible that's not the point the point is i was like common and she was like does common have a global impact and i was like point taken point taken so back to square one if you got an answer let me know D. Barnes, Michelle LA, and his ex-wife are in my thoughts and prayers because i'm sure if they heard about that they were like really like, you know what this dude did. You know. It's not even a question. You know. And you still named an award after him? Yeah. What else do I have on this list? We talked about your honor. We talked about my last night in America. Oh, Jonathan Majors. I went to breakfast with my friend this morning. I had my phone off because I was being polite. Or at least my phone in my bag. So I got in my car, I turned my phone on. I got all these text messages, my DMs done lit up. And I was like, Lord, did TMZ find out some tea on me? What the fuck? 
No. Jonathan Majors is on the cover of Ebony Magazine in some short shorts with his titties out, throwing roses at people. Looking fine as all get out. His nose. <laughs> people have been so inappropriate today. This woman said, I want to sit on his nose and get pregnant. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, me too. His whole little civil rights face does it for me. That one was just born and bred just right. He's like a manly man. That look is hard to come by these days. And got the nerve to be a sweetheart. He went to see our friend Jenny and he brought candy. Not candy. He brought popcorn. Jenny's from Chicago. What's the um the good popcorn in Chicago? It's too much for me. I don't like sweet popcorn. Speaking of which, you know, I didn't go to the movies to get popcorn. I might just actually go to like AMC tomorrow. And get a big bucket of popcorn with butter on it. I don't really need to sit in the movies. There's nothing I want to see. But he bought her some of that good popcorn from Chicago. I cannot remember the name of the place. I've only had like a little bit of it. And I was like, I don't need all these flavors for my popcorn. I just need like regular. Whatever. He bought her the popcorn. And she just was so tickled. I mean, I think she was tickled by him. And then she was tickled by him bringing her the popcorn. And she was like, you were just so sweet and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, I don't remember the first person he took gifts to. Was it Sherry? I don't remember. He went on somebody else's show and didn't show up empty-handed. And I was like, yo, sir, and this this big wide nose and these big wide shoulders also showing up with like gifts and shit, being all sweet, not showing up nowhere empty-handed. And I was like, sir, sir, make more of this model. Every time I post him, and let me say this, I don't really do snack ministry anymore. Like I used to do once a week, I would post like some fine guy and then we would all talk about everything in the picture except the guy we talk about like you know the light fixtures the cabinets whether the house was clean the shoes anything but just actually never comment on the man it was a whole thing it was a fun game and I had to stop doing it or I chose to stop doing it every time I would post a guy and the guys would usually be fine with it like they thought it was just like ridiculous and fun and most of them are trainers or models or actors anyway it was like good promotion for them and they welcomed it For me, it was just a cute picture of a cute guy. Like, it wasn't about like, oh, do I have a possibility of dating him? And what is his history with women? And who is he dating? And is he straight? Is he gay? Is he whatever? Like, I don't give a shit. It was just a dope picture. And we're just literally talking about the picture. That's what it was for me. But every single time I would post the guy, people would just like, just go all through their Instagram or like people who dated them years ago, even would come in my DMs and want to tell me stories about like shit that happened in high school and college. And I'm like, yo, like, I'm not endorsing the man. I'm not saying he's a great guy. I'm just saying, like, his abs and his titties look good in this picture. Like, I like abs, thighs, titties, and noses, obviously. But, like, that's all I was thinking about. But it just it just became, like, this huge thing where, like, these guys either had to be, like, damn near perfect. Because even though it was a post, like, celebrating that the guy was cute, there would always be people who, like, wouldn't play along and be like, oh, I don't like his face. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I'm like, Jesus, the guy didn't even ask for that shit. Like, it's just a fun game. Like, say something nice or move along. But then it also became this thing, and it was like, he had to be dating a black woman, but a very specific type of black woman, or else people would have a meltdown in the comments. If she was light-skinned, and he was like, oh, he's color-struck, biracial, the same thing. Oh, he don't really want us. He likes that ambiguous black. If she was too dark, then it was just like, oh, he has like a fetish thing. 
she had to be like perfectly Michelle Obama Brown. She couldn't be too thin. She couldn't be too big. She, it just it just became like such a thing where it's just like I wanted to do this thing that was fun and celebratory and silly. It's just like a dumb way to pass the day. Be silly women together. And it just became like so heavy. And I was just like, oh, God. But I reposted the Jonathan Majors cover from Ebony, which good job, Ebony. Like y'all did. Y'all did good. And my girl Corey wrote the piece too. Corey can write her ass off. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But I was so like, you know, enamored with this cover and these like, you know, thick thighs and these titties and this nose that I, you know, I just, I reposted the cover and I hadn't done snack ministry in a while. So I just wasn't thinking about like all the feedback that it gets, but just my God, those comments were exhausting. Apparently Jonathan Majors, we talked about this before, I swear. Jonathan Majors, at the very least, has a child with a white woman and may or may not be dating a white woman. I don't care. I don't care. I don't need him to date a black woman or be married to a black woman or have a non-biracial child in order for me to like his titties. It, it's it's not that deep to me, but apparently it is. Like for other people, like, you know, you can't just look at an image and lust after someone. They have to be like this whole package in order for you to give yourself permission to be like, ooh, his, his titties and his abs or his thighs, whatever it does it for you, his hands, whatever. It was just a whole thing. And like, to my knowledge, Jonathan Majors has never said anything negative about black women. The man dating a white chick, like, I don't, I don't care. They're like, why is he on the cover of Ebony? Like, he dates a white woman. I'm like, what does that have to do with the price of rice in Ghana? They're like, oh my God, you're fawning over this man and he would never date you. He was never going to date me anyway. If he was dating a black chick, then he would be dating a black chick and he wouldn't be available to date. Even if he was dating no one. I don't know this man. I don't even live in the same country as this man. I didn't have a chance of dating him anyway. Like, what difference does it make? And then I also think about, like, they're like, oh, he's not really for the culture because he's with, like, a white girl. And I was like, wait, is Serena not for the culture? Because she got a white husband. Was Iman not for the culture? Because she had a white husband. Is Quinta, Abbott Elementary Quinta, she got a white husband. Is, Is Quinta not for the culture? I dare you to say that shit to Quinta. People have gone mad. And I think I said this before too, and I'll reiterate it. If Jonathan Majors ever came out and said some shitty things about black women, if there was like tweets from his past that came up where he was like, you know, fuck them black bitches. I'd be like, oh my God, fuck you. His titties wouldn't be as beautiful to me anymore. To my knowledge, that hasn't come up. And I feel like it would have came out by now if that was his story. It's not. And I get it. Like, you know, if your thing, like, you need to have a whole fantasy about someone. It has to be, like, a full 360 package. They have to date, like, the right shade of black woman. Definitely not a white woman. Definitely not have a biracial kid. They have to have, like, this whole perfect history for you to lust after them. I totally get it. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Please, for the love of God, stop leaving those comments on my fucking page. Jesus, that shit annoys me. <sighs> I'm about to get cursed out about this. I already know it. Okay. People be mad about shit all the time. You'll be all right. So will I. All right. That's the episode for today. Next time we speak, I should be in Johannesburg. God willing, which I hope he is. Because I'm really excited about this trip. I just got to finish fucking packing. And I'm not taking a fourth suitcase. (sighs) And get air tags. I still got a bunch of shit to do. All right. I'm done. I'm out. We'll talk when I get to Johannesburg. 